Are you hiring right now? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? As a business owner, I know posting your job in just one place usually is not enough to find quality people you need on your team and as quickly as you may need them. To find that perfect match for you, you must reach every corner of the market through posting on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Twitter and Facebook, all with a single click. You don't need to spend countless hours posting to several websites, something business owners just can't afford to do. Connect with candidates in any city, industry, nationwide with just one post and watch your qualified people roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No more juggling emails or crazy calls to your office. Just quickly screen candidates, organize by rating, and hire that perfect person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. If you're listening to my podcast right now, you can post your jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. One more time, try it for free today. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. This week, we are blessed with an amazing guest on the show, my good friend, Jennifer Pasteloff. Jen is a writer and a yoga teacher living in LA who travels the world with her super unique workshop, the Manifestation Workshop on Being Human. It's a unique hybrid of yoga, writing, sharing out loud, and once in a while an occasional dance party. People Magazine says Jen Pasteloff is changing women's lives all around the world. She's been featured on Good Morning America, New York Magazine, CBS News, and much more. And she's developed a massive following from her personal essays and authenticity through social media. She studied poetry and writing at NYU, and she's currently finishing her first book while raising her beautiful baby boy, Charlie Mel. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi. Hi. So good to be here. It's so good to have you here. It's funny, we were just having some technical difficulties, which was great because now we are drinking wine. Wine while podcasting. (laughs) Wine while podcasting. This is the first podcast uh, recording we've had that has involved wine. So I'm... I'm breastfeeding and I'm on the internet and I like to drink a little bit of wine. It's very dangerous territory. How has, uh, I see you sometimes post pictures of yourself breastfeeding yes. with a glass of wine. How that's do people very, react? That's very new bullshit motherhood of you, Rachel. And we're not <laughs> buzzed yet. Actually, Rachel hasn't even taken a sip yet. So I haven't. Wait, I don't even let, know let if me do that. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. There we go. Um, so we're not buzzed yet, but that's very new bullshit motherhood of you. I, um, yes, I do post pictures of myself breastfeeding sometimes and... Um, you know, right now my breasts are huge because <laughs> I, I already have big boobs when I'm nursing. And so I posted a couple photos with, um, cleavage showing because unless I wear a turtleneck, that's what happens. <laughs> and I've had some really hateful remarks, you know, like put your tits away or just ridiculous things. It's not like they're, I mean, literally like a little cleavage is showing. Do you, do you, do you click on their accounts? Like, do you know, like who, who is this person that like takes the time to go yeah, and, and I like, hate, hate on my boobs? And then I hate no, I always, yeah. I always like check if I get a really nasty comment, I'm like, wait, who is this person? Yeah, no, you're right. You I know? don't, I don't hate myself for that. I hate myself when I get hooked and I start responding. Oh yeah. That's different. And I'm like, why? Like hundreds of comments that are saying great things and I'm like just responding to this, which ties into something I always talk about. But yeah, um, I post pictures of myself breastfeeding. My favorite one I did, and it was a copy of something I saw on the internet a long time ago that someone wrote like a baby keg, which is <laughs> I, I did a headstand and Charlie's nursing. Now you can't do it yet because the baby has to be able to sit up. 
And, I saw um, that picture. That was yeah, amazing. Yeah. Showers upside down, and, and that's my favorite. But I do, and I drink wine, and I, I create this whole no bullshit motherhood. The hashtag. You, if you're listening, you can go to Instagram and, and look up the hashtag no bullshit motherhood. And I bought it's the URL. Amazing. Yeah. You bought the URL. Of course, girl, You're the master girl. of buying URLs. <laughs> How many websites I mean, do you own? I, I own quite a bit, but because here's the deal. Someone else would have. Yes. <laughs> I started using the hashtag just, I'm sure, like yoga every damn day. I started using it, and all of a sudden, I started seeing other people use it. And I yeah, said, it becomes a, a thing. That's a really good idea. And I like clicked on the you know URL. That no one owned it. I went to GoDaddy, and uh, <laughs> I bought it. And right now, it's just, you know, they all redirect to beauty hunting, no bullshit motherhood, don't be an asshole.net. They all redirect to Don't be an asshole.net. We have so many. You're the master of creating movements, I feel. <laughs> like, you'll, like you'll, you'll stick to something really, really, really good, and you'll make a thing of it, and people just tag along. It's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. No bullshit motherhood is my favorite because it's something that's really new to me and I, I I was so surprised by this so so the moment I got pregnant I realized I'm entering this whole new territory of people in a community that's that's new right and it's the most sensitive community on earth like I've never you know in yoga and in, in whatever moms get really sensitive about stuff like this is my way is the right way I know like it's this way or the highway like you can't do this you have to do that and uh and people get super yeah I, I'm a little nervous actually to be navigating this community because I feel like I'm I'm gonna be doing something wrong well, oh no and, and I'm I sure do. we're gonna say something on, <laughs> on here that's gonna piss someone off and we'll get some emails you know about how we're horrible mothers and we're drinking wine and or whatever I don't know but that's, do you care? No. Um, I don't know. You know, it's so interesting. I told you this on the beach yesterday, and I, I thought I would have been a more neurotic, nervous kind of mom, and I'm not. I'm actually really surprised at myself and proud of myself at how I am, and I care so much less. I don't know if you feel this way, but I care so much less about what other people think, and my feelings still get hurt, obviously, but no, I really don't care. Um, Can you about- remember the last comment that kind of triggered you? Um because sometimes you do this thing, and I, I feel like I, my platform is so big at this point, I can never call anybody out. Like yeah, if I would, no, you can't. Too many no, people, we're in a like, way this different. person is a horrible person. Like it's just not. No, like, and we're, because then so much. I don't know. I feel like sometimes that happens. Someone will comment something just bullshit, like "Oh, you're ugly." Like it's clearly like it doesn't mean anything. It's just like a whatever. Person or you said someone wrote "fuck this baby." Yeah, yeah. My um, baby got her first hateful comment yesterday. Someone wrote, fuck this baby, which I think meant like you're posting too many pictures of this baby. But no, but I mean, the craziest thing is when one person will say something negative, I never almost ever address it. Sometimes I block people, but I never like dive into drama very, very rarely. But then 50 other people will come, yeah. will come to yeah. my rescue and be like, well, how can you say that? Like yoga girl no, is beautiful. <laughs> Why would you call her ugly? It feels good in the beginning, but then all of a sudden it becomes this weird warp of like hate toward this person. I know, person. That, that's happened to me and I've just, I just delete the whole thing. I, yeah, I and then it just kind of, it can get totally out of hand. So I mean, no, I can never call someone up, but I see sometimes you, you will do like a screenshot and be like, okay, look at this comment that I got. Like, let's talk about this. Gosh, there's so, yeah, I do take screenshots sometimes. Um, I get, People give me crap sometimes for cursing, because um, you know, I, especially I have this this new hashtag I started, this whole movement called Real Motherfucking Life. Um, Do you have the URL? No, I don't know. Great. Now, someone's someone's listening listening to this. Damn you. Um, Real motherfucking life. And it was really just like, you know, like I'll grab my belly fat or I I live in a one bedroom apartment and I'm really open about about how I live. And, um, you know, I I try not to stage things or, you know, I talk about really real things. And um, that's what I use my 
you know, social media personally for. So um, anyway, the real motherfucking life and people in general sometimes will comment once in a while about my cursing and... Um, but one thing did trigger me lately and I remember, and and then I was annoyed that I got hooked and, you know, but this woman, um, you know, said something like my, one of my, my quotes, she said, oh, this sounds exactly like so-and-so and, and, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but I, that, that, I made that up 10 years ago. I just got so, you know, I'm really sensitive about that anyway, when people, I, I always give someone credit or if I quote someone yeah, yeah, or yeah. borrow so the like work. you wrote and she said it sounded like someone Yeah, else. so it's like so personal to me. And I yeah. was like, no, you know, and I, um, my, my feelings were hurt and I got really um hooked. Oh, I know that feeling. Yeah. But generally, no, I try not to give too much weight. Just like, and I'm sure you feel this way, you know, I'll get so many emails and comments about how amazing I am. And, and that's wonderful and it feels good, but I don't let it go to my head just in the same way that I try not to let any kind of, Jerky comments. Right. But it's easier to focus on the jerky comments. Yeah. Than all co- the- yeah. You know, I call it the one on the 100, the right? One if there's the 100, 100 people that love you. That. Yeah. If there's 100 people that love you and there's one that doesn't, who do you focus on? And everybody always says the one. Yeah. And like, that's our work. It's so hard I not know. to. And I suppose, it's, I suppose it's human nature because of so many of us, I mean, probably the Dalai Lama says, I focus on everyone or whatever. <laughs> but most of us say the one, you know, or, or if there's... One, you know, bad review, we focus on that instead of the, um, you know, the... Yeah, I mean, that's where the mind goes. Mm -hmm. We're so, I think, at the bottom of everything, insecure a little bit all the time. So if one person, you know, gives you that negative space, and I can sometimes get thousands of comments on something, and then if there's one, you know, negative one, and it hits home, maybe there's a little truth to it or something. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if I ever, ever respond, then I get all these comments like, why would you focus on this one person? You have 9,000 other comments that are positive. And then I get triggered by that. I'm like, yeah, why am I? <laughs> it's just like a never ending. Have cycle. you seen Black Mirror yet on Netflix? No. Oh, God, you have to. And, and who are so watching? Who's ever watching? Who's ever listening? Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Every episode is completely different. Yeah. It's, it's like kind this... of like Twilight Zone-y. And, yeah. And I, I feel seen... like we live in Black Mirror. It's all about the future and just, just like a little bit into the future, though, and technology and how much it's pretty much messed up our lives but there's one episode with ron howard's daughter did you see that one i don't know ron and Mars everything in, in your life is based on it's so weird is that the social media yes one? i've seen that's yes that's what I've seen. Yeah. and so sometimes even like our conversation it's so weird when you think i mean even your you know your all of us like how like people follow other people and like care what they do totally and watch their little stories and it's like <laughs> And then we're talking about it. I mean, it's such now a... Now they're bizarre. like, oh, wait, like, Rachel and Jennifer are drinking wine, I, recording a podcast. It's we just, just put that on our Instagram It's stories. really... Like, inter- it's, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. So so starting weird. Real real Motherfucking Life, for me, was a little bit of a um, response to the uh, curated life of social media, you know, and this perfection and... Um, yeah, how everything has to look. And specifically, you know, so, so you'll sometimes post... Kind of ironically, I guess, like, oh, today I woke up, I, I baked a four layer cake, oh, and then I cleaned on. my yeah. perfect house, and I finished my book, and then and my I ta- baby and I Charlie like, Spanish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he learned to walk, you know, at like six months. <laughs> and people went crazy for it because, um, yeah, it's so not who I am. And I mean, I'm really not, you know, uh, I, I see, I was telling you yesterday, like, this woman posting on Facebook, like, you know, my, my child has a no screen strict policy. And I'm saying, Charlie's sitting there watching cartoons, and he's like playing with my phone. And I mean, 
but the the truth is, I know you know he's doing just fine, oh. and um, I trust. I mean, part of it was having a baby older. Part of it was my journey of all the work I've done. But I trust. I trust in what I'm doing and I trust in him. And so I, I take everything with a grain of salt, especially with the mothering advice. Mm -hmm. But I will say I, I just unsolicited advice is not welcome. <laughs> no. But I love advice when I ask for yeah, it. I, yeah. 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 No, hey, tell me, you know, I like, called all my friends, other people with babies, you know, issues with breastfeeding or they're sick or whatever. You need advice. Mm -hmm. But when people are, you know, you're out with your baby and the baby needs a sweater. <laughs> Like, who, who are you? Fucking asked you. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> I get that anytime I post anything, any picture or anything that has Leia in, uh, like, in a bed or in a crib. And oh, if yeah. there's, like, so, and I didn't know this before I had a baby, but apparently if there's, like, a stuffed animal, like, five feet away from her, she's going to suffocate. If there's a crib totally. bumper, she's going to suffocate. If there's a blanket in there, she's going to suffocate. If the sheet isn't super tight, she's going to suffocate. Totally. She sleeps next to me. I'm like, okay, there's no way. Like, apparently my baby's going to suffocate no matter what I do. Like, can Completely. you guys stop telling me these morbid, horrible things? I know. Things? I know. Like, like yeah. now, I mean, I'm seven weeks in. I feel way more relax but in the beginning i had this feeling like no matter what i do my baby might just die like, same for no reason yeah and people put the fear of god in you it's horrible horrible and of course it's like it's enough to have you know ever hear one story of that happening and then you're of course like scarred totally. for life i but, was giving charlie all these little... but that's not what you want to hear when you're a new mom and you're freaking out about everything anyway like i, I know there's no reason <laughs> we were giving charlie those um teething tablets the highland teething tablets and all of a sudden there was a big scandal and they went up you know the fda didn't approve them and all these babies were we're dying, and I mean, we were he was teething so bad, and we were giving them him all the time, and I was like, "Oh my god, okay, great, great, okay, great." No, yeah. there's another reason, but he's no. fine. So, no, but you, you know, have it's to, like detached a little bit from everybody else completely, and I'm also, you know, I I've for so long before I had him, I was, you know, I didn't think I was going to have children. Really, I mean, I was never that person that. I, you, I've met people before that are adamant, no, no, I don't want kids. Love them, not for me. That wasn't me, but I didn't think I would. I, so I'd say I was like a 98%, I don't think so. Um, I'm terrible at decision-making, so I couldn't quite, you know, decide. But my husband wanted children. So I was like, well, I don't think so. And then years kept passing, and I'm traveling and everything. But I made all these videos, and I became sort of like the spokesperson for, you don't have to have a kid. And... People really appreciate that because there's still such a stigma, even in 2017, of, oh, you don't, you know, a woman, if you're a woman, you have to have a baby. Like if you or don't want a baby, something's wrong with you. Something's wrong yeah. with you or you're not worth as much. And someone really close to me in my life struggles with that and really feeling like an outsider. And so I'm really um, cautious too with the motherhood thing or, or this was a, a big thing for me and I swore I'd never say it and I haven't. People would say this to me all the time. And I would see it posted before I had a baby. You don't know what love is until you have a baby. Yeah. And I call bullshit. Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, of course it's different. You've never loved anything in, in the same way you love Leia Luna. But you've also never loved anyone in the same way you love Ringo or Dennis. And it's just different. Um, but to say to a woman who's never had children, that's basically saying you don't yeah, know what love is. you don't know is. what love is. No, it's extremely condescending. No, no, of course not. It's, 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 it's... So I, I try to be as mindful as I can, too, with the motherhood stuff, you know. But also you can't, it's, it's hard. It's hard to please everyone. I mean, yeah, all, I of course. But I keep trying. But I had, I had <laughs> so way more than, than I could ever have anticipated. When I had the baby, 
uh, I got emails, comments, um, people writing me saying, you know, I, I love you. I followed you for years. I can't have children. I can't follow you anymore. Oh my God, me too. My arm hair just went up. Oh, I, yeah, me I too. And, and I, I just actually, broke my heart. Like, oh, you know. I had someone ask me, this is, this is, I had someone ask me when I announced I was pregnant, if I would put a trigger warning before my post. And I, you know, I said, no, I said, one of the reasons you follow me and you love me, I'm guessing is because I'm, you know, real in quotes, you know, but I can't, I, I have to stay authentic to myself. I can't put a trigger warning like this post is going to be about pregnancy or this post and is going to... And then you have to put a trigger warning on absolutely everything Yeah, and also, also, I mean, as painful as it is, I mean, she has to walk down the street. There's going to be pregnant women and everything. So I said, I understand if you want to follow me and I won't take it personally. Mm-hmm. Of course it hurts, but I get it. It's painful. Yeah, but it's part of that process too. I mean, for all of us, all of us. I have so many. I feel like it's it's getting more and more common to to not want kids, and like for maybe really really good reasons. And I remember you. I used to think like, what? Don't everybody want? Because I was one of those people. I always wanted. Yeah, kids. I, I envy that though, because I envy that because I thought I think that the clarity in that. But then what breaks my heart is people like you that knew know they want that no matter what that can't. They can't I know no. people that have tried and tried and they can't. But I that never was had my that biggest biggest fear ever. I remember being like sixteen or something. I was at. Uh, the Swedish version of Planned Parenthood. I had my first serious boyfriend. And I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to have kids. For wow. some reason, I had it in my head, like, what if I grow older and wow. I want to have a baby and I can't have one? So I was like, I didn't know if I wanted to be on the pill at 16 because I was like, what if I would get accidentally pregnant and as my only chance, you know? And then oh, I my would, God. I, it was it's so, so crazy. funny. It wasn't even and my And they wouldn't let me. I'm like, I want to do, like, a fertility test. They're like, you're insane. You're 16 years old. Oh, my God. Like, they thought I was crazy because I was so scared I wouldn't be able to, to have kids. That was my biggest, you know. But That's... then at the same time, I was terrified. To have kids because I felt like I wasn't ready. Like it's yeah. This no, but but but, but, it's, but it's because you knew from forever that you wanted. Like to be if a I mother. was pregnant at sixteen, I would have been one of those like teen yeah moms. teen mom. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to be. Thank God. Oh yeah, you yeah you're so old now. Thank God you wait till you're oh, so, so old. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean it's it's good timing. I mean timing was perfect for you. Timing's perfect. Timing, yeah, timing. You know, I've really come to the great understanding that there's no right time for anything. I remember a couple years ago when I was going to wean off my antidepressants, um, the, you know, I, I, with, with the depression that I struggle with, I'm on them now. And I, as far as I know, I mean, I can't predict the future. I'll be on them. I can't not be on them. But the mistake I made was, and I'm glad I made this mistake is I thought my life's amazing now in quotes, my life's amazing now. And I'm not miserable anymore at the restaurant. And I, okay, I'm going to go off them. And I also wasn't 100% sure. Again, I wasn't have a baby. And the ones I was on, you can't be on while pregnant. So I kept wanting to go off. And I kept saying, well, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. Because I was leading these, quote, unquote, inspirational stuff. And I didn't think I couldn't uh, go through the withdrawal process as I'm doing it. How am I going to, because it can be intense. How am I going to go through this withdrawal as I'm doing this work? And then eventually I was like, you know what? There's never, there's never going to be a right time. Ever, ever, ever. Never going to be a right time. And so I went off. And very when slow- was this? Th- this was 2014. Very slowly, very carefully. I went off, I went off, I went off. And um, long and slow it with doctor supervision, which is really the smartest way because, you know, if you go off too fast, it's, it's really awful. You get brain zaps and it's... Um, brain can't handle it. It's just, you know, go slow. And how long had you been on them at that point? Um, I don't know, like five years. And they saved my life. They saved my life. I'm going to say that one more time. They saved my life. Not that they, um, 
how I've always described it, and I feel like it's a good description, is I was in a pit, like a well, and a rope got thrown down, and it began to climb out, and I could start to see light. And it sounds a little corny, but that's exactly what it was. And that's when I did a yoga teacher training, and I started to see possibility. I mean, I was immobilized before that. Let's let's rewind a little bit. So way before this, way before, I mean, now you're this well-known, super inspirational, no bullshit anything, yoga teacher, writer, you know. You have, you have an amazing, amazing life. But rewind when, uh, t t tell us a story. Okay. So, um, I, before this, before yeah, teacher yeah, training. Yeah, I'm trying to think where to start. Um, so let's, let's go to, um, my, let's I'm go to the restaurant, maybe. Restaurant. All right. So m I was at NYU and I was a scholar. I was a poet and I was, um, on to great things. I thought I was going to be a professor, academia, and I was incredibly anorexic. I don't know how I didn't die and depressed. I was, I was suffering from depression from literally when I was five and I just, and then losing my dad at eight. I mean, anyway, unfortunately I'd never been on meds. And so I was at NYU and then, um, I finished junior year. I went through three years. I had one year left. I don't remember any of it because I was so starving myself. And then I was abusing laxatives at night, and I would beg God, if you don't kill me, I'll never do this again. And I would do it again the next night. And so I decided to, I asked my professors, they all loved me, can I take um, a semester off? Oh, can I take an incomplete? I'll send in these papers later. Of course, I never did. So I went, my mom had moved, we were in New Jersey, my mom moved back to California, where we had lived after my father died. And my boyfriend broke up with me, and I, I had a nervous breakdown. So I went to California to be with my mom, to feel safe. And I found this restaurant, and I said, I'm going to work here for the summer. And 13 and a half years later, <laughs> yeah, I never went back to school. And everyone warned me, don't do this. Never went back to school. And um, miserable. Never dealt with the depression. Never dealt with the eating disorder. I gained weight, but that's a mistake people always make. They see someone who's not, like, deathly looking, and it's like, well, they're not. They're healed now. Yeah, I mean, no. that has nothing to do with it. It's the inner working and it's what you're, you know, how you're abusing yourself. And so, um, did anybody help you with that? Did you ever have? No. No. Even at your worst, at your skinniest, like, yeah, no, my mom tried. Close. My mom tried. And I, um, and my mom was a single mom, you know? No. And I, um, no, it was bad. It was, I didn't get my period for four years, which is interesting that I, Got, get pregnant so easy because I did so much mm -hmm. abuse to my body. I mean, really, um, it was, it was horrible. And so I'm at the restaurant and worked at this restaurant that's now closed down, but in its heyday, it was the place. It's called the newsroom on Robertson in West Hollywood. And, um, I met everyone and anyone. And I, I attribute working there for so many years and also my hearing loss really to being my greatest teachers besides my son, and my special needs nephew, but working in a restaurant, it's everything. Those of you that are listening that work in the service industry, bow down. I bow down to you. So I'm working in the restaurant and my friends said, I was doing tons of yoga. I discovered yoga. It was helping with depression, but I also was an exercise addict. I used to exercise four hours a day. So I was also doing too much exercise, too much yoga at the time. I'm doing a ton of yoga and my friend said, why don't you become a yoga teacher? And I thought it sounded miserable. It just seemed boring. Like I just had no desire, you know, I'm a writer. I'm a, um, at, and I had been trying to be an actress for a lot of the years in the newsroom, 
but not really, just waiting for someone to discover me. So I went, I had a breakdown at the newsroom again, second one, many years later from that time at NYU. And I went to see a therapist and he looked at me and he said, you suffer from such incredible depression. You need to be on antidepressants. And I was so offended because I thought he's met me for one hour. F him. So I called like a bunch of my friends and everyone was like, yep. Oh, <laughs> I, we've thought that forever. And and, uh, and so it was I, obvious to everybody else, but yeah. not to you. Oh, I mean, honestly, Rachel, nobody that knows me from my other life recognizes me now. It, it's like, like all my friends that worked with me in the restaurant and everything. It's really fascinating, I think, because I was so unhappy. And I, I'm, I probably asked upwards of 50 times a day, do I look fat? Am I disgusted? I mean, I was so... I hated myself and I was so depressed. And so everyone said that, you know, you, yeah, well, try them. And I was terrified I'd gain weight. I mean, ridiculous when I think that about that. That was the that. first thing on your yeah, mind. The first thing, I'll gain weight. Long story short, I went on them and it took about two weeks. And the first thing I noticed was that the, the body stuff, the anorexia stuff, it faded away. And I realized, I was like, wow, I should have done this a lot sooner. And then all of a sudden I thought maybe I should do a yoga teacher training. And it wasn't even that I wanted to be a yoga teacher. I just started seeing possibility of ways that I could escape and, and possibility, really. I didn't see any possibility ever. So the, the antidepressants helped me in a way that it, it basically allowed me to get out of bed and allowed me to um, find a little bit more of a light, you know? Mm-hmm. So I did a yoga teacher training with Annie Carpenter. And after it ended, I still didn't want to be a yoga teacher. But my mother, my mother built me a website. She's like, what if someone <laughs> finds you? And I went oh, back bless to the, your mom. I know. And I went back to work and my and I made these Robert Sturman took some photos of me and I made some little business cards and I was a hustler. All of a sudden I decided, all right, I have a I have a website and I need to get out of this restaurant. This is sink or swim. I never did this with my acting, but I'm gonna hustle. So I would drop off my business card every with every check. I don't know how I didn't get fired, but I got a lot of to clients. come to your classes. Yeah. Yeah, like I was started teaching. I started teaching. But I got so and I got all these private clients. I'm still friends with a lot of them. Like customers. So with their bill for the food, I would leave my That's business card. Incredible. So I so when I started teaching yoga, I realized I was good at it. And it wasn't that I was good necessarily at asana, you know, whatever. And, and if you notice any of you guys that follow me, I don't I can't do the shit Rachel can do. Like I my body it's just not my thing. But I was good at teaching. I'm good with people. You know, and I always have been. And the restaurant honed those skills. And mm. hearing loss honed those skills because I really had to pay attention. So I started teaching. And so if I just a little little pause. People that are listening that don't know you might not know, but you're almost completely deaf. Yeah, deaf. And I, I wear hearing aids and I read lips. And at the time, I didn't have hearing aids. And, and that's interesting. For, as a, I mean, the work you do, which is all about listening. listening. <laughs> Yeah, but in the beginning, in the beginning, I really was just teaching yoga, just yoga, and um, you know, I made it my own. I read my poems in the end and what have you. But um, I, Wayne Dyer was my my great inspiration, and I I would go on these walks and listen to him, and I memorized all his talks, not even on purpose. They just like went into my DNA, and um, I got hired by these two life coaches to lead a retreat they asked me to do um the yoga section of their of their retreat i had just become a yoga teacher one month before they said we'll pay you you know x amount of dollars in mexico and sayulita and i like i drove away and i was like oh my god a millionaire you know <laughs> and i did it and it gave me the courage i really attributed that to me it gave me the courage i thought i can do this on my own so i did and little by little i began to shift and i i began to let the yoga part the asana part fall away a bit 
which is always what I wanted from the very beginning. So I, I do teach a little bit of asana still, but that's not my passion, I guess. Um, and so the more... It's more a tool, I feel. Like exactly. I, I took your workshop yesterday, so I find tool to get into the body and to out of your compl- That's all it is. Yeah. And so, but in town I teach, I teach a couple classes at Equinox and, you know, in LA and Yogi's Anonymous, just like three hours a week. That's it. But I use it and everyone writes and shares out loud and moves their body. But in the beginning it was just yoga and it just started to transform and transform and transform and transform. But really the way that I started developing this following and I hate, I don't know if you hate that yeah, word. I hate I saying it. It makes me feel like I love the word community. Community? Thank you. Um, yeah, it's less douchey. Following just sounds like, I don't know, it's so obnoxious. I started writing again, which is always what I did from childhood at NYU at Bucknell. I started writing again in, in a really honest way, less like bloggy and, you know, five ways to do Warrior One. And I was just really, you know, talking about my hearing loss and grief and depression and that's when the shift happened. And so the epiphany I had around that was, wow, I just be myself and people listen. Uh, most of us don't realize that, you know? So I started sharing, um, honestly, who I was and people started wanting to be around that, I think, because we all, I think that's what everyone wants, that. right? Yeah. That's isn't why, that that's why best... people love you. But I mean, isn't that the best realization? Because I had that moment, like, briefly in the beginning of my uh, my yoga teaching also like the five ways, you know, to perfect your downward facing dog or whatever, which is basically, um, five ways to get you to click on my website. <laughs> like exactly. Five ways to get exactly. more people to like, look at me. And I mean, going from that, or for me, it was a lot of, um, you know, just like picture perfect moments of beat and body, like handstands, this and that. And moving from that to like, fuck, like I hate my life today. Like everything is horrible. Like I've moved through this, like here is my real life moment it's such such a massive relief to get to be who you are like especially online because it's so and like you said yesterday in my workshop and like Marion Williamson says it's like when you let your own light shine but also when you're honest about who you are and when you share your heart and when you share your journey and your joys as well as your um your trials it helps everyone 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 right so when you're vulnerable it helps other people be vulnerable so I started just, I started getting more and more courageous with what I was doing. And in the beginning I thought, well, how will I get people in the room if I don't call it a yoga retreat? Now I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't. Because they show up anyway. I don't call it. A, yes. yes. And like that, I really dropped into that place of trust. But I mean, it took a while and it took a lot of like, no, no one may come. Mm-hmm. But I know what I want and I know what I want to do. And I know um, this is my opinion. And so. I don't, you know, you may not agree with it. I don't really believe in like the idea of a purpose. In life, you mean? Or? Yeah, because I feel like it's a way that people get, we get set up. I have so many people come to my workshops. People be in their 50s. I don't know my purpose yet. And they just feel useless. And I think like our purpose is to love, right? I have done love. I always say that. So I don't know what my purpose is besides that, you know, and it could shift, right? It can shift all the time. I don't know. Um, and I mean, it should shift exactly because we change and we evolve but and we learn new it's shit. It's kind of like people, it's like the idea of a soulmate, you know, it's like you have this one purpose and you haven't found it yet. I mean, what if you don't find it? Then what? Have you been a failure your whole life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really rare for people to have that. Like, I know what my thing is in life, you know, I and just, then for that to stay the same forever and ever. I mean, that's, that just doesn't happen. I don't think so. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I really, I, it's like when I get to the end of my life and I ask one final, what have I done? Let my answer be, I have done love. And, that's, and so I, I want that for every single thing I do. I know I, I have done love. So I know what I want. I know what I want, what my intention is when I do a workshop or a retreat or whatever it may be. And so it's not, you know, to teach the mechanics of a yoga pose, even though I know how to do that. And, th- and that's what I studied. And I still love to take those kind of classes. That's not personally my, um, what my intention is right now. Right. You know, and we're so similar in that. <laughs> I know. And I still sometimes get really insecure about that because I sometimes have this idea that in my retreats or now I'm starting uh, leading my first 200 hour teacher training this year. And I used to be so passionate about the anatomy and the muscles and the bones and the perfect alignment of every single pose. So that's kind of what I focused on in my retreats. And now I don't, I stop giving a shit. <laughs> like it's important. Like I still teach part of that, but it's not why I want people to come to class. It's not what I want to teach at all. And it's hard and I, because your name is yoga girl. Right. So, so it's like so much yoga, mm-hmm. but what I actually teach the point is not the yoga like at all. The yoga is a way to bring people in and to open people's eyes and it's easily accessible and it's attractive and all that stuff, but it's not, it's not the point, but I still get kind of nervous like what if they show up to my retreat and they're like well why aren't we doing more handstands like I know I told you guys yesterday in my workshop about that thing that happened with you know I was leading a retreat a many a bunch of years ago and somebody um after a few days left because there was she said it was feelings 101 and not enough yoga (laughs) and I I mean it's just but and you know this too in your heart is that this is yoga, right? Connection and, and what we did yesterday in my workshop and what you do in your teacher trainings, even if you don't do one downward dog in it, it's yoga. And so, I don't know. It's, I just think it's... I think it's getting away from the, from the labels of it. Exactly. But that's why it is so challenging because what if you do attract the wrong? I mean, that's why I think it's, it's, it's even more important to stay super authentic, like super mega real, which isn't always that attractive and it doesn't always give you the most likes or the, you know, bigger following or whatever, but to keep that authenticity because then like if they follow you on Instagram and they come to your retreat, they're going to know what they're going to get. Completely. I mean, completely. Like, I mean, I I wouldn't expect. I get a lot of people that don't know anything about me. It's actually my favorite. Probably because they have friends or family who are like, you have to come to this workshop. And they're like, I always ask that in the beginning. (laughs) I said, how many guys are here because you follow me on social media? Hands go up. How many of you are here because someone made you? And I love it. They tell the truth. And I go, you're my favorite. Because they don't know. And I always feel like they're the most courageous. Because they're just like, what the fuck have we gotten ourselves into here? (laughs) You know? You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. It's easy to create an excuse for not feeding your body healthy foods. You don't know how to pair ingredients together or where to access fresh ones, or you're just too busy. Well, your body doesn't understand excuses, and that's why Sunbasket helps get rid of them. Sunbasket makes it super quick and easy to cook delicious, seasonal, healthy meals within your own kitchen. You receive organic, non-GMO ingredients from the best farms and the best fishermen delivered straight to your door. Do you have dietary needs? No problem. Sunbasket offers paleo, gluten-free, and vegetarian-friendly options, plus specifics like breakfast or family. Each is created by award-winning chefs and approved by nutritionists. With Mother's Day approaching, now is the perfect time to show your mom just how grateful you are for all the foods she provided you with by gifting her quick and easy nutritious foods in return. Go to sunbasket.com slash yoga today and get your first three meals for free. That's sunbasket.com slash yoga to get three healthy, easy-to-prepare meals 
for free. Sunbasket.com slash yoga. The world is changing now more than ever. We all need more than one source of income, but not everyone wants to quit their jobs and become a startup founder. That's what Side Hustle School is all about. It's a short daily podcast, seven days a week, that tells stories of ordinary people making extra money without quitting their jobs. The host, Chris Gillabo, also has an intriguing new book out there this month called The Money Tree. It's an engaging story of how you have the power to create your own financial destiny, something that's especially important in this time of uncertainty. Get your copy of The Money Tree today from any bookstore or online retailer. Learn more at moneytreebook.com and listen to Side Hustle School wherever you get your podcasts. So yeah, if you, and anyone out there who hasn't taken Jen's workshop, if you ever get the chance, holy fucking shit, just do it. I'd never taken your workshop before and I've known you for so long. I know. Like we're like, I don't even know how we became like friends. I mean, I, I think social media first. Yeah, first. And then, became, and then, I and then yeah, and then, and then in LA and I Like every time I'd, I'd go to a lady see my brother, we'd go yeah. wine. <laughs> Or shop. Yeah, it's been a long time. But it's like, I can't, I was trying to really remember like, okay, what was the first time we ever met? I can't remember that. Do you remember that? I think in person was a few years ago. I, um, I helped you out at one of your ridiculously huge classes downtown LA. It was like in person. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. At the shrine. Yeah, it was crazy. And it you were like, like, I don't normally assist classes. No, I, I like, didn't mean it. And I didn't mean <laughs> not to be an asshole. That sounds really, um... I remember I just wanted your presence there. I'm like, yeah, it's like it a- sounded really jerky of me, but I, um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, just to see you hold space for that many people. I've never, and my stuff, you know, wouldn't work with that many people. I eh? like the max was like 60, but it was so fascinating and inspiring and it was beautiful. I love those classes. Oh my God. I was thinking about that yesterday. So in your workshop, so, so we're we're crying and then we're laughing and then we're crying again and then we're dancing and then we're rapping and then we're crying again and then we're writing and we're like doing some yoga and it's just the own bath the own bath I mean it's just it's just and a lot of it is really similar to the I mean some of it is similar to what I do not so much that uh, I don't even know at one point in the in the workshop yesterday you, you started sharing the story of how you're walking down the street and you met this homeless guy oh, yeah. on a bike and I was like wait I was there for that <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god! Like you're, you're kind of crazy, but like in the most fucking awesome way. Me? Yes. Oh, you totally. Totally. Like, yeah. like walking down the street. There's a homeless guy on a bike, and he's wearing a sign around his neck that says "Love." Yeah. But this is like, like a, like a very, like very much a homeless person, mm-hmm. not like a, you know. And Jen goes, he's "Oh awesome. my god, can I have your sign?" He's like, twenty bucks. And you're like, no, okay. no, 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 like no, no, no. I gave him twenty bucks, and I said he didn't want twenty. I bucks gave for him this twenty bucks because okay. last time I saw him a few years before. <laughs> Yeah, you were like, I know this guy. I know him because I saw him, I met him in the library once, and he had the sign on, and I gave him $2, and he said, you must take my sign since you gave me $2. And I loved it, and I brose about it, and Elizabeth Gilbert shared it, and it went viral. It was just a really cool story. Was that the same sign or another sign? He makes them all the time. He's like a staple around Venice, you know? So... I hadn't seen him. It was like two years later, a year later, and I'm with you. And I'm like, that, I know that guy. That guy. Hold on. I <laughs> need that traffic. sign. He gives a sign. He gives, I don't know. I thought, yeah, I want to give, I only had a 20. I want to give him a 20. And he goes, I can't take this. If I take this, you have to wear it for two weeks. Because when I gave him the $2, he said two days. And I said, gladly. And it was honestly like an excuse to wear a, you would totally do that. Yes, but I mean, I, I love it. it so I wore it everywhere. Just... I wore it in the airport. I wore it to teach. And it just made people smile. It was a conversation starter. It was, it was a total conversation such starter. a cool 
beautiful experience. Yeah. I lost it, I think, or I gave it away. I don't know, but it was really I neat. Remember Eva either? God, it's so amazing. But I was thinking that yesterday in the in the workshop, I was wondering like how how to duplicate this and make like how big could this possibly get without losing the intimacy? Because it's so much about the circle it's a and great, connecting with great other people. Question. Well, and I've I've done. I mean, I do sharings, but one on one. So I pair. Like in the really big classes, like of a thousand people or whatever, I'll, I'll pair people up two and two, but they have to go with a stranger, someone they've never met that they didn't arrive with. And then they have to share something they journal about, something really intimate. It could be about fear or loss or death or whatever, but it's like two and two and it works. We've done it with 950 people. That's insane. I mean, that's amazing. And it, it's, and that's powerful. And, you know, honestly, when but it's I... different from standing up in front of a group alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the vulnerability of that versus just sharing with one person in front and of you. And you can't, you can't have what we had yesterday with that many people. No. It just doesn't, it's not humanly possible. Intimacy, it. no. But, but, you know, when I assisted you with that class with, like, 600 people or 8,000, the thing about that, a group of that many people doing yoga and breathing together, it's humbling. And it's its own prayer. And it's its own intimate, beautiful thing. It's just, it's just different, you know? Mm-hmm. The workshop yesterday, the, the biggest I've done it, I always cap it at 60, but once in a while it's been 70. I will not go bigger than that, no matter like money, because I want everyone to feel seen and heard. And that that's the experience of my workshop. You know, what it boils down to is at the end of the day, I think everybody wants to feel seen and heard. And mm-hmm. most of us, a lot of us don't have this experience in our lives. You and I, we're lucky. We do. We post something like, I pooped today. And <laughs> people are like, oh my God. Congratulations. No, I mean, I'm I'm making fun of us, but it's true. Where, like, generally, though, people want to feel seen and heard. But even that, even even still, sometimes I don't feel heard or Mm -hmm. really seen. Really see me. That was interesting yesterday in the circle because... So, so Jen will go around and kind of we, we journal about something really intense and then she'll pick someone out in the circle and be like, okay, stand up, share what you wrote. And in the beginning, it's terrifying. Like, oh my God, don't pick me. And I'm like, here I am. I share like my heart and soul every day to 2 million people, but like standing up in that circle of 20. Terrifying. And there, but there's a difference. Yeah, yeah between... but then I'm like, don't, don't pick me. I'm like, no, 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 she's not going to pick me. Don't pick me. And then in the end of the class, I'm like, pick me, pick me, pick me. Because like, you, you want to stand up, you want to share. But it's such a switch in... You know, that being terrified of being vulnerable and bearing your soul to like, oh my God, it's such a relief to get to it, share this in exactly. a safe space. And so with too many people, it doesn't work. But That's it's true. just, um, I don't know. It was such an honor to be, I mean, Island Yoga is the most beautiful yoga studio I've ever set foot in. And That's the best I, compliment ever. I, I've, oh. I said yesterday, I've been to every yoga studio <laughs> in the world, which is obviously a lie, but I've been to a lot. Um, and it's... Uh, I'm blown away. I mean, I saw it online, but I, you really, you really can't get an idea until you're here. It's something else. It's magic. So I'm hoping that everyone that's listening, and I know it, you know, it's a great privilege. It's not like everyone could just come to Aruba and it's a, it's a big thing, you know, it's a, um, costs a lot of money and like, you know, but if you get here, yeah, if you get here, you must, must come. It's, it's a, it's a haven. It's a haven. Take a class and just hang out here. The cafe, the food was amazing. It makes and me tear up. We had such a challenge getting this place off the ground. Like, and I realize now if it wasn't so painfully difficult to get our doors to open here, I wouldn't be appreciating it the way I am now. Like now every time I step in here, I'm like, oh my God, thank God, thank God, thank God. But it was I'm, a challenge. I'm, so I'm so happy that I posted this morning. It. I don't know if you saw um, 
the, there's a pic, the picture of us nursing on the beach. I was nursing. Oh, no, I didn't I was going to say, I was nursing Leah. I was nursing Charlie. You were nursing <laughs> Leah. And Amanda, who's amazing. And I was saying, I don't know how you've done what you've done. And also right now, having a six-week-old, you know. I took, I stayed three months. I just sat on my ass on my sofa in Santa Monica. And if anyone wanted to see me, they had to come to the apartment. <laughs> and, and if they came, they had to bring food. Clearly. That was like, yeah, <laughs> cuddles, food for cuddles. But you're really, you're back in it. I mean, you're like, boom. Uh, and I know you have, you have a lot of support. You have a lot of support. You really do. You have a great it. team. Yeah. I mean, Wonderful. if I had a, had a job where I had to go and sit, you know, with a boss and have to be here certain hours like this, I would not be working now, but. I have a baby room in my office. I know. Like I'm I, fucking I know. But, so spoiled. But anyway, so leading the workshop here was was really magical for me. And how is your, um, you know, moving from the past of, of anorexia and eating disorder? How is your relationship with your body now after pregnancy and nursing? It's and actually great. I, for me personally, being pregnant was the best thing. Um, I was so grounded and it was funny, like the fatter I got that people were like, you look amazing. I was like, just kidding. You know, it was, it was interesting. I did binge a little. I noticed there was, there's still that mentality. So I would just every night eat pizza and ice cream. And like, there was part of it, like so many years of uh, restricting that I just went like crazy and I'm short, you know, so with huge boobs. (laughs) So I was like, I felt like a butterball, but I loved it. (laughs) I loved it. And then when I had him, I still continued with the, I eat whatever I want, I do whatever I want, and it's pretty amazing. I don't ever remember feeling this way. I just don't care. It's not that like I don't care in the way that I'm like eating donuts every day and laying on my ass all the time, but I don't care. Like you lost that edge of like... Yes, and that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I went out to dinner with some friends, and I just like, really enjoyed my food, and you know, they were like talking about food, and I'm like, God, just, and just be here and enjoy it, and I realized there's a... I'm just enjoying things much more, being present, being in my body, eat the food and don't make a story about it or obsess on it later. And it's such a normal, Oh God, that's my least favorite. Whenever I do interviews and whenever, especially with with American journalists or or papers, it's always like, what's your guilty pleasure? Or like on your cheat day, what do you eat? I'm like, what the fuck? What guilty pleasure? Like it's not a pleasure if it's associated with guilt. Like there should be no guilt. I won't. It shouldn't be a cheat day. It should be enjoying I won't, I won't engage with that because, I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, I started Girl Power, You Are Enough. And basically because I wanted, I saw with all these women I worked with the same things all the time. I am not enough. Really, everyone's saying in so many words, afraid what other people think, hating their body. The body is the enemy. I thought, I've got to do something to get these girls younger, you know, and non-gender conforming humans younger. Um... You know, I told you about this this woman I met last night, you know, 70 years old, and was like, I'm, I never tell my age, and complaining about her weight and her body, and it's like, when does at it end? At 70, yeah. At 70. And when does it end? You know, my dad died at 38, so I think, I said to her, what's the alternative? Being 70, and she's like, oh, come on. No, really. I mean, be dead, <laughs> or be 70. I mean, that's, you're alive, that's amazing. It really is, and so... I'm working on it with myself, but teaching people to embrace your age. There's no shame in getting older. What a privilege. What a privilege. Oh, my God. It's weird. Like in L.A., if you say you meet like a 27-year-old or something, and you say, you look, yeah, thank you. It's so bizarre to me. No, it's, a, it's bizarre. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
you know, like if you meet, you know, and you say, oh my God, you look like you're 18. Oh my God. Thank you. (laughs) What? Thank you. But so much of it is, it is so, I feel like it's connected to, like it's harder in LA. Oh God. Yeah. Way harder. Oh my. I mean, here I sit on this little rock in the middle of the Caribbean ocean. Like I I can go weeks and not put makeup on. Like, and I really, really don't care. Like I go to work every day. I don't care what I wear. And it's, and it's not about, I think, yeah, I have confidence. Yeah. I feel good in my skin. Like I'm solid in that way but if I was living in LA meeting all these people every single day I would feel really differently I know that I mean I'm, being surrounded with that energy of like you have to be super skinny you have to be super young you have to look young you have to be this and this and that I just I refuse to buy into it and I wonder I don't know if it's working you know I just I just I just won't but it's I, harder to be yourself if you're surrounded by people who don't let themselves I know. be it's true and I I will say that when I stopped acting you know as I was trying to act for a long time and yet not doing anything about that. But once I stopped and people started, you know, coming to my workshops, my retreats, I realized no one's following me because of what I look. No one's following me because I'm skinny. Whereas when I was acting, you know, you should lose 10 pounds or I never felt pretty enough. I never felt pretty enough. I never felt skinny enough. I never know what to do with myself. You know, I'm not the leading lady. I'm not, who am I? You know, and once I let go of that world and I'm not in that anymore, and I, I just care so much less. It, for me, it was the greatest relief leaving that Hollywood, trying to make any kind of living in that. You know, and I, I live in Santa Monica. I live really humbly. And because I've made such a thing of real motherfucking life, I really try to embody that. So I just... You do. You I, do. I, I do. As best I can. I'm not, Please, I'm not perfect. Some days I suck, but I try. <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible. Let's, let's move through. So go back to Girl Power, You Are Enough. Tell me about that. Because you, you taught a workshop, I think this was a year ago, you were really focusing on getting the girls when they're younger. Yeah, I can't so. remember when I started it. I basically, you know, I was, I was leading these workshops all around and I wanted to work with young girls and then they just started coming. I'm like, oh, my mom follows you. My mom follows with you. With me, it's the other way around. I get the moms, but they're like, my daughter follows you. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> well, our, it's just really interesting. I, yeah. I have no demographic. I, I have like women in their 70s and teenagers where you're generally not always but more on the younger side yeah. the, the the girls though that are that follow you a lot of them are like who are you like I'm like ancient to them or something. but um yeah these women these girls would come in I was confused they were like in eighth tenth grade you know so then Laura Hyman who's also a guide for 108 um I was at her house I was doing a workshop at her studio yoga stream and her daughter was 12 at the time and I said Laura and I were like well let's do it together I wanted like cater the workshop specifically for young girls girl power and I was thinking about the the what would like the subtitle be what do they need the most and I realized you are enough mm. you are enough because that is the through line of of almost everything the message I hear so that that young women feel like they are not enough uh, and 70 year olds yeah. and 50 year olds and 40 and uh, yeah. but that's the thing so if you if you can you know, get to them un- younger, earlier. They don't have to go 70 years before they That's maybe realize exactly. that, okay, wait, and I am good enough the way I am. Yeah, so for me, the most satisfying work, the most gratifying work yet that I've done, and I've done a lot of really beautiful things, has been the, the working with the young girls. I did, I did this one in New York. I mean, these teenagers and just opening up, and it's so beautiful and I, I would love to find a way to keep doing it I got busy I got pregnant I had the baby and it's also harder to get them in the room mm-hmm. because usually like 
I can't do it right now for free. I have to find some way, you know, to fly my ass to New York or wherever. So either like their mom or someone has to sign them up. So I, I need to figure it out, maybe turn it into a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's really an incredible thing. I love, love working with young people. I love it. And I was, I was really upset when I found out I was having a boy. I was like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't even know if I told you this, but last November when I was pregnant, they thought something might be wrong with him. I remember that. Yeah. And I, I so I didn't know if I, I was going to terminate or not. And they called the day before Thanksgiving to let me know everything's okay. And it's a boy. And like two seconds, I was like, oh, a boy? What? You were, uh, were you sure it was a girl or you just always assumed? I was just sure. Just yeah. like you were. Yeah. I was just, you know. <laughs> and I mean, it took me like two months. I mean, now I can't imagine anything differently. But boy, I mean, I'm like, no. But I started Girl Power You Are Enough. I'm going to have a feminist. So I actually bought him a t-shirt last week that says, boys will be boys. And then boys is crossed out and it says feminists. Uh, so I'm going to raise him a feminist. But yeah, I mean, I was like, I love working with young girls. I mean, I'm going to have a girl. I only thought of girl names. Anyway. But I felt the same. I was like, if they tell me it's a boy, I'm going to like have a heart attack. Like I oh, was yeah. so sure. It was just <laughs> so not true. And anyone yeah. listening knows that, you know, if you have whatever. But, but um. But the important thing is actually to raise our boys to be yes. beautiful men, vulnerable and feminist and be the men that we... And that's part of this too. Because sometimes I feel, I mean, this type of work, it's so geared toward women. I mean, what you and I do, we get more women in class. and oh, yeah. yoga, we have more women. Especially in this type of sharing, bearing your soul, journaling. I mean, it is more of a... But, but we, need, we need the boys there. We definitely do. What, yeah. And they're, you know, they, they come sometimes and it's always really special. I mean, this, it's such a, sometimes don't you pinch yourself? Like I get to do this. No, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. But Um, I also feel so drawn to the, yeah, young, young teenagers. I mean, you are. Yes. Maybe we should do one, a girl power workshop together or a retreat. Imagine having a retreat, like a nonprofit, not for profit retreat where you get to invite, you know, teens that are in a, in a tricky space. Like, cause I feel there's that window of, they kind of get lost in the I am not enough I need to be this I need to be something else and then you either resurface and you realize like fuck I'm okay or you don't you know what I mean exactly and you then you start going toward these dangerous places like eating disorders or abusing yourself in other ways and um, that's why that's why I love I've learned to love yoga girl so people ask me if is it an alter ego like who is yoga girl like yoga girl is 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 me but it's not i used to hate that word that the term i thought it was so commercial and stupid and like i don't know yoga girl like what why did i choose that name like it's weird but for it's smart it's smart (laughs) i'm realizing that it's super smart and attracts a ton of people like it's built this community through that but specifically these young girls that will come to workshops like they they they, they bring their moms because they want to go somewhere. And they're like, where are you going? Like, there's a, a room with like a thousand people. Like, who's this person that you follow on social media? Like, it's the weirdest thing. And the moms afterwards sometimes come up and they're like, you know, she could be following like a Victoria's Secret model or like be yeah. obsessing with this and that. But no, she's into yoga girl. Like, I'm so grateful that there is like the space for, for her, you know, for, to, to look up to something that is different, that is something a little bit. And I I love how you're, um, and especially lately over the last year, maybe even two, I don't, I lose track of time, but how, how real motherfucking life you've become, you know, it's, it's important because we live in, you know, this, uh, it's so glossy and perfect. And I think it's challenging. I can't imagine having grown up with that. 
I mean, I had other challenges, but growing up with that constant looking at images that are so perfect all the time and yours isn't, you know, and I think that's important for people to see this, this realness and especially young people. Yeah. I mean, we do it. Yeah. It's okay. Now, now it's weird. Now I feel weird if I, if I stage a photo. Like Same here. I, feel, I even posted like some since I've been here, and yeah. I feel like I feel like an asshole. I'm on the yeah. beach, and, <laughs> the beach. everything is so perfect all the time. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes you have those great. Of course, you know, you share the great moments, and you share that. As long as you share the shitty with the good, I think you're. Yeah, you're and fine. I mean that you know that's with my book. That's and with my writing, it's a tricky part too because I think I've been for a while confused about not confused as far as putting a book together. What is it going to be? I don't want it to be quote unquote inspirational where it seems like my life was so hard and now it's great. Yeah. The end. The end. Because that's <laughs> bullshit. No, I saw, like I said in the workshop yesterday, every day I'm afraid. Every day I'm afraid. I was afraid to come here and I did it anyway. Just like you are, right? Mm-hmm. You are, I mean, I'm afraid and I do it anyway and I still have bad days and I still sometimes struggle with depression and I can't hear and it sucks, you know? So it's not like my life is perfect, but I've, I put one foot in front of the other and I found a way. Mm-hmm. So I struggle sometimes with figuring out, you know, what exactly is it, the book, in terms of I don't want people to feel like it, if you do this and your life will be right, perfect. Right, like there's a magic yes. recipe. Yes. To, yeah, yeah. No, and it's easy to get stuck in that. I I have it in Sweden whenever I go back to, to, to Sweden because my, my book or my – I'm also writing, trying to, desperately trying to write my second book. But the first one really was this – kind of, I, I had this focus of, okay, life was shitty before. Like I was super drinking incessantly. Like I was really miserable, really unhappy. And then I found yoga and things got good. Right. But then now there's this idea of like, every time I go back to Sweden, these people ask me like, okay, tell, tell us a story again of how you were a drug addict Ugh. and you were like living in the street. You were homeless. Everything was horrible. I was a junkie. And then you found yoga and then now life is amazing and you live in the Caribbean and you have a perfect life. And your life is perfect. And I'm like, okay, it wasn't that bad, first of all. Like they make it into this super horrible thing. Like it wasn't that bad. And now it is not this great either. Like it's just, it's a continuous process. It's just I found tools to get my way out of these miserable places, but it's a, it's a work in progress. That, and that's like, the thing, tools. 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 And I, I do think it's important to have, um, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, a role model or someone that you look. I have so many women in my life, you being one of them, Lydia Yoknovich, Cheryl Strayed, Renee Denfeld, Lena Dunham, people that I look at their lives and I think of how they're living in this really honest way and they're self-expressed and they're sharing who they are and they're creating art and they're just being badasses, you know. And I look up to them and you know, I think, oh, okay. Or, and I have friends, Laura Hyman, I think other people, my, the person who runs my website with me, Angela Patel, who made me want to be a better person. And so it's not, and it's not that they're always like positive or perfect, but you know, I think it's important to have people that we look up to or that we want to, or that make us want to be better people People or that that inspire us. Yeah. People that show up for themselves. Totally. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really turned on to people who resist the, that the, don't conform the, yeah. exactly, and people who are say really true to themselves. That's why I, I, you know, I do these writing in the body retreats with Lydia Yoknovich, who you guys will hear her name a lot very soon. She just wrote a book called The Book of Joan, but she is like the most self-expressed, doesn't give a fuck person. And read her writing; I swear you will be, you will follow her. Yeah, I can't the wait to read. Yeah, that. I mean, but so unique. 
and doesn't give a fuck. And and she's now like they're gonna make a movie of her latest book. I mean, it's um, it's just it's so wonderful to see someone who just keeps on no matter what, mm. no matter what. I'm going to keep on being myself, mm. even if it means I don't have as many followers or I don't have as much money or I'm not on, you know, whatever TV, whatever it is. It's inspiring. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. What I put onto my body is just as important as what I put into it. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to a line of beauty products called Kopari. Kopari beauty products moisturize skin and hair without harmful sulfates, silicones, GMOs, or parabens. Instead, Kopari's products are made from 100% organic coconut oil. Kopari's products are on the spectrum of body care. A coconut sheer oil, the perfect light facial moisturizer. A coconut balm for soothing super dry skin. A coconut crush scrub for a revitalizing full body buff. A coconut body glow for a beautifully natural all over shimmer. And an original decadent coconut melt. Coconut oil is the one ingredient you will always find in my house. With virtually all of my time devoted to my baby girl these days, using Kopari's Coconut Melt has given my moments of self-care an amazing boost. My skin is extra soft with a hint of coconut smell, which I love, making my precious time holding my baby even more enjoyable for us both. Kopari's Coconut Oil is the highest quality. The aroma is light, texture is smooth, and you can apply it head to toe, knowing you're giving your body safe, pure nourishment. Say aloha to the best skin and hair of your life with Kopari. Go to koparibeauty.com slash yoga to get 20% off your order right now. That's Kopari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash yoga for 20% off. Everybody that we have listening right now, which is a huge mix of, you know, everything from 13 to 75 and, and everything in between. People that are moving through these struggles, but right now. Right, that maybe are living these moments what, of depression. You mean of depression or eating disorders or this? You know, I don't know my purpose. Mm-hmm. Like if, whenever you're in this, in this space, like you're in this, this you're in the hole, right? You want you want the rope, you want to climb up. What would you tell them? Hmm. Well, not to find the magic recipe, but what would you share? Having having lost my dad when I was eight, I, I told you this yesterday, but I, my favorite words I crave to hear from anyone is it's going to be okay. Mm. So when someone says that to me, my eyes well up and I take an exhale. And um, I think we all need to hear that all the time. It's going to be okay. So that, that's one thing I want to say. And another thing is that um, you do what you need to do if you're listening and you're struggling with depression. So I'm certainly not telling everyone to go out and get on antidepressants. Fuck no. Because some people's depression is circumstantial. You know, I have friends who've lost babies. I have had friends who, you know, things that happen, they've never been depressed, but something happens. And, you know, so you do what you need to do. Um, and, Yes, exercise, exercise and yoga, even if it's five minutes, going outside, taking your shoes off mm. in the grass or putting your feet in the sand, nature, find things that excite you. Wayne Dyer used to always say, follow your excitement. I love that. Follow your excitement. Find, find things that excite you. And if you don't know what they are, do what I call beauty hunting, which is constantly look for the beauty, constantly, constantly look around for the beauty. And then you'll start to notice what turns you on and what excites you, and what inspires you. But do what you need to do, and also do not be afraid to ask for help. I find that, especially with women, especially with women, people are so afraid to ask for help. 
You want to do everything ourselves. Yeah, I don't know why. That's not my jam. I got other things I, I'm terrible at. Asking for help for me is not has not been a is not my thing. It's not hard for me. But people just it's pride, it's how they were raised, whatever it is, and they won't ask for help. Ask for help. Find support. If you, you know, um you know, we're here. I mean, Rachel and I, we're just we're just two people, so we obviously can't get back to everybody all the time, but we do the best we can, and there's networks, and there's resources, and we can put you in touch with people, but there's there are people out there that even, you know, for as much shit as social media gets, there's so much beauty that happens there, and so much support. On Specifically on my no bullshit motherhood, that's the one I love to hang out on. There's like no judgment. Everyone just talks about everything. I love going on that hashtag because it's like boobs out, bellies out, unshaved it. legs, babies. I love like it. It's just, you know, I'm not doing anything right in quotes. I'm not sleep training, and uh, you know, and so I just, I love it because I have all these people that are like, same with me, Jen. You go, girl. That's how I did it too. <laughs> My kids are fine, you know? Drinking but wine while podcasting. It's okay. It's going to be okay. It really is. And you just, you know, the last thing Wayne Dyer ever said to me, and then he passed away, he asked me if I, were, if I had kids. And I said, I told him I had had that ectopic pregnancy and I didn't think I was going to have any. And he gave me a hug and he whispered to me, it's not up to you anyway. And, you know, there's a bit of a, a truth to that, I think. We, yeah. we don't know. We just don't know. And I have to keep reminding myself that of, of that, you know. And, like, you didn't know your best friend was going to die. I didn't know my father was going to die so early. And, and when we remember those things, it's like, why do we think we know how something's going to be? So when we embrace the not knowing, we free ourselves up to have anything be possible. So if you're struggling terribly right now, allow yourself to realize that it's not always going to be this way. Even though it feels like it is right now, you don't know. So part of it is, I think... Um, surrendering to the unknown a little bit. I mean, Completely. I when we're in that pain, the idea that we can control everything and we can fix everything, like everything has this magic, you know, I drink a magic potion and life will be wonderful and beautiful. Like a part of it, we have to let go and let the universe unfold. I know. Yeah. It's really, that's been my great, my great, uh, one of my great lessons, especially having Charlie. I really, you know, I, I just super quickly, do we have like a minute or what do yeah. we have? Um, you know, so I, I didn't think I wanted kids. I didn't know. I, you know, you started your journey so much younger than me. And I get envious sometimes. I do. Because I think, if only, if only, if only. But the truth is, it would have, it, it would never be. Hmm. I had to be exactly where I am. I had to be the age I was. I had to be, go through all that I went through, you know. Fuck yes. Yeah, I had Realizing to. that is. I wouldn't be. Than- I wouldn't be. Gen- I wouldn't be Jen Paschal. I would not be teaching what I'm teaching. So. Can you find gratitude for the shitty things? Oh God. That? Oh God. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's not. It's not always. It's like. It's like this. It's like this, Rach. When I think about having another baby, I mean, truthfully, and everyone goes, "You just do it," and I and I call bullshit on that too, because for various reasons, it's not going to happen. I have one baby. I'm good. She's nursing right now, so excuse that sucking. <laughs> but I found my passion later. I found my, you know, my career. I start traveling. I don't think I'm going to have a baby. And all of a sudden, all my friends start saying things like, you better start trying if you want a baby. Well, I don't know if I do. But you better start trying because it takes a long time. And you better, and you better, and you better, and you better. And I start to panic. Fuck. 
So everyone said, well, it takes like a year to get pregnant. But and does it happen out of panic, though? No, <laughs> no. Oh, it did, though, girl. <laughs> so as I said, I went off my antidepressants. And guess what? The day I went off them, finally, like 100%, and I was a mess. My brain was like cockeyed. <laughs> I said to my husband, um, okay, I guess we better just try because it's going to take a year. And, and even if we, I don't know if I want, it'll probably... You know, Tried one time, I got pregnant. Once, <laughs> once, once. I got pregnant and I wept and I didn't want to be pregnant. And I I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought my life was going to be over. And then it ended up being ectopic. So imagine how confusing that is. The grief, but also the relief, right? So I lost the baby. It was ectopic. And then I broke my foot. And then I thought, I thought it would come to me like in a flash, I either want kids or I'm clear I don't. And it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't. And so last September, I said to my husband again, well, maybe we should just let it be. Like, not try and not not try. That way I won't feel guilty if, yeah, I don't know. Second time. I mean, I literally get pregnant by, like, blinking. And I got pregnant. But this time, I was back on antidepressants. And I somehow, when I realized I was pregnant, I was really calm. And... When I thought something might be wrong with the baby, I was a little panicky. And as soon as I found out everything was okay, then I fell in love with them. And then I wanted it more than anything. But it actually took me being pregnant, you know. But I've had to embrace the not knowing. I mean, I, my whole life, this is not in a million years what I thought it was going to be like. But it's working. Everyone thought, everyone said to me, how are you going to do what you're going to do? How do you, how are you going to travel all around? I said, watch me. <laughs> yeah. Two words, watch me. And I'm doing it. He's here. He's been on like 20 flights since he's been born. It's a miracle. He's not even a year. I'm bringing him everywhere. You do what you got to do, and timing is divine. It really, really is. And again, back to that message, there's no right time for anything. So those of you that are listening and are thinking about any kind of decision or change but feel like it's not the right time, just in your bones get that. There's no right, perfect time for anything. And I would have kept putting off having a baby if it didn't happen so easy. Um, and then probably never would have. Mm. And it's been... But it's that letting go, that that trying to control so hard. I feel like it puts a... Completely. It brings attention out into what we vibrate into the universe oh. that put things on hold. Like nothing comes our way if we're like holding on to everything, trying to force life to fit into this little box. You know, it's the... I call letting it, go opens up the space for the magic to just unfold. Completely. That's what I also, one of the things I call the just a box, right? The just a, just a girl or putting ourselves in these little box to get out of it and, and, and be open to whatever's going to happen in our lives, you know? And both you and I are doing things that you can't really define. Yeah. You have to be there to feel it. Yeah. Completely. 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 And who would have thought that, Right. <laughs> How am I going to, like, get people to come to Italy with me, you know, and I, or whatever? I mean, yes, of course, you've built up this massive following. But nowadays, I mean, you're doing something really different and all the time and recreating yourself. And you have to have the trust of, like, it'll show up and the money will show up and I'll be able to feed my baby and put a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. I remember the the first ever kind of spiritual retreat that I ever did, that I took myself, which was, was part of my own first, kind of how I found meditation, my first awakening. And in the group that I did this, this retreat, uh, we did sharings every evening. And there was a circle, and there was this woman, she was in her 50s maybe, 
And she said, today I want to share that I am so angry with that girl. And she points at me. And I was no. like 18. And I was like, oh my God, what? What did I do? Did I do something wrong? What? Does she hate me? She's like, I despise you. I cannot believe that you're sitting here, smug, 18 years old, getting to experience this, this young. So she was resenting the fact that she was in her 50s and she was having this kind of awakening moment then. And then I got to be 18 and I got to do that then. And she was so hating me, you know, because she felt like it was this unfair space. And intuitively, I mean, I was really young and I just knew. I was like, whoa, like I did this before. That was my first. How fun. Oh, wow. Like, whoa, like this is not my first. Like I've been through this rodeo before. In this lifetime, I get to be 18 and kind of have this first awakening. But 100%. Like, I know that about you. Yeah. Like, I have done this work. <laughs> like, there's a reason that I get to, and get to be younger. That ties into the message that I really want to share, which is the age thing. I mean, it really is. It sounds like a cliche, but it's just a number. It. I have friends that are teenagers. I do, and in their late seventies, and all across the board, it's just a number. It's just a number. And the time. This is, I think, the most important thing. The time to get off your ass and do all the things you always wanted to do is now. I know. Not 10 years ago, not in five minutes, not next, you know, Monday or next new year or whatever. But like, if you have something you want to manifest and you know in your bones you want to do it, like don't wait around for, like don't stay working at that restaurant waiting for someone to discover you. Do you know I always wanted to travel when I worked at the restaurant and this was what I said, I can't, I have to work. (laughs) Okay, now I think back on that and I think the only thing I had to do was get a body to replace my body. They didn't care as long as you get your shift covered. And I, all the years, 13 years, I can't, I have to work. And all I had to do, and it wasn't money, all I had to do was get someone to cover my shift. And now I can't, now, you know, I mean. Now you do it with the baby. Yeah, but yeah, but it's different. I'm talking about like when I was untethered, right, to go like travel, you know, things that some people do when they were younger. And I always thought I can, I have to work. And now I feel like a lot of it is making up for all those years, those things I didn't experience in my 20s. Um, because now you're making it happen no but yeah timing age is is just a number and it doesn't mean shit (laughs) and i think each year that we get older we should be really really proud yeah i mean we're we're you're still here we're still here we made it through another year with everything that brought yeah everything everything that that you've gone through that i've gone through that everyone listening has gone through has brought you exactly where you are Every I'm smiling now because this, this baby is like nodding her head, agreeing with you. <laughs> okay, love. I think on that note, it's time for us to maybe head to the beach, maybe have a, another glass of maybe wine. Maybe I need a nurse because I'm like, your boobs are gorgeous right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was Thank such an honor. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I actually, I want to I wanna end by reading the Girl Power Manifesto. Awesome. Awesome. Wait, will you, can I remind anyone that's listening to come with me to Italy because it's the best fucking thing in the world. It's magical. June 17th to the 24th. Um, Oh, I'll be in Europe then. Maybe we can hop down. No. Yeah, we're going to be in Sweden for five weeks. Email me, Jennifer. Anyone who wants to experience this firsthand, Italy. Italy in June with Jen. And please take my classes on 108. 108 is so special and everyone's classes here. You guys listening, seriously, it's um, get lost in 108. 108.com for more of Jen. The Girl Power Manifesto. I promise to not be an asshole to myself. Hell, I promise to love myself. 
I will remember that my self-worth is not based on what I look like, how much I weigh, how many followers I have, or any other stupid crap that has nothing to do with who I am. I will empower other girls and women. I will be kind, fiercely kind. I will have a sense of humor. I will do my best not to gossip, create drama, or judge others or myself. I will remember that just because I've had a bad day doesn't mean I have a bad life. And even on the crappiest days, I will remember this. I am enough. Goosebumps all over. Thank you, Jen, for joining us today. I love you. A big thank you to my beautiful guest, Jen Pasteloff, for being on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Big thanks to the folks at Digital Media for their production work. And thank you, of course, to my sponsors, Kopari, Sunbasket, and ZipRecruiter. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.